Today's guest is Mark Carlin. Mark is a hypnotist based in New York City, and he and I speak about hypnosis, of course, what it means, uh, how it affects the subconscious, there's some distinctions between subconscious and unconscious. We had some of uh, my mastermind members on also asking questions about hypnosis. Uh, apparently, hypnosis is all the rage right now, and Mark was so kind to uh, include a free ebook on um, how to hypnotize yourself, how to get into self-hypnosis for everyone listening. So the link is attached. It's also on markharlin.com slash Pretty simple, easy to remember. And if you get the ebook, um, he also is offering a discount on uh, one of his courses on self-hypnosis to improve confidence. I believe it's only seven bucks. So great deal. It's awesome. And he was an interesting guy. So you can listen to his thoughts in just a second. You're listening to episode 037, Mark Carlin, Hypnotic State. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. Okay, perfect. All right, here we are. Hey. Okay, great. Um, so we have a couple people on. Um, keep it an organic discussion. Um, I'll have you introduce yourself, all that. Was there anything you wanted to speak about uh, in particular? I know you have a program coming up. Uh, programs coming up. I have some self-hypnosis classes uh, in Manhattan uh, in my office. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have any links for that. People usually okay. Don't. Any any topics that you want to speak about? Um, we'll have all the links uh, attached to this later. I'm you know I, I did a little background on on you and I mm -hmm. uh, found out that you're you're uh, helping men uh, achieve I guess their inner best. Yeah, uh, way to put it for sure. Said, so you, you're you're helping men uh, be able to. Um, uh, be more socially uh, efficient, uh, helping them meet uh, the um, uh, the ladies or the men of their choice. Uh, I guess I don't know. You working specifically with uh, men who are looking for women, or you have? Uh... Uh, well, I don't just work with men actually, um, but yeah, I do. I mean, a big part of what I do is helping men in dating and sexuality, mm -hmm. um, but also business and confidence. It all ties back to to inner stuff anyway so great. great that's that's actually what i had uh, figured on confidence being the the big the, the the big ball uh that everything else expands on uh when men come into a situation owning their confidence uh they're much more likely to get whatever they want to at that of any out of any social situation totally. so confidence is is really key and i did uh I do have a, um, uh, a special, I have a product called Maximum Confidence. I usually, uh, most of my products I give out to my clients when they come in to see me as a, um, depending upon what they come for. Uh, so confidence is the one that I give out to anybody that comes to see me that doesn't come to see me for stopping smoking or losing weight or getting a good night's sleep. Usually it, it just, everything funnels to confidence. Totally. Uh, because the way that I view our lives uh, in, in relationship to the confidence we have is that when we're born into this world, we come into this world filled with 100% confidence. And every second that we breathe chips away at our confidence. So, you know, no matter how confident people believe they are or other people believe that, that, uh, that they are looking from the outside, uh, they're not as confident as they appear. 
and they always can use that additional um, that different that additional support uh, in their confidence building. Totally, I definitely so, want to dig into that with you. Yeah, so I did. I put I put together a. Uh, uh, I have a uh, MP3 file. Uh, uh, normally, is, uh, used to be what we call a CD mm-hmm. uh, that is um, available for download. It's normally like twenty four, twenty seven dollars. Uh, you know, if you're not a client of mine, and uh, I'm offering it to your uh, to your uh, listeners and your group for seven dollars. Awesome. Uh, I, also, cool. I also do have a um, a free ebook uh, on how to do self hypnosis. Uh, which is awesome. the? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that today, so that's perfect. Yeah, that's the beginning. So they they can I can give them a link where they can download the uh, the free ebook, and after they do that, they'll also get some information on how they can get the uh, seven dollar CD. Awesome, great, um, cool. So just to backtrack a little bit, I think everyone knows what hypnosis is, but just in case anyone doesn't, could you give us like your your explanation of what it is and how you use it? Sure. The way I explain hypnosis is that uh, hypnosis is a set of tools that I use as a hypnotist to help change the way that you think, feel, or believe. And when I say you, I'm talking about people who come to me as clients. Uh, In the real world, I use hypnosis or hypnotic conversational hypnosis all the time to help influence people uh, to get what I want and also to have them feel good about themselves. So like anybody else, who is looking to get what they want, they're using language. Mm-hmm. And I use language a little bit more effectively than most other people. Although the way I use language is similar to, way, to the way that the very effective speakers use language because they, they don't have to have hypnosis, hypnosis training or hypnotic training mm-hmm. in order to use language effectively. They just have to have good experiences and ha- have had learned from those experiences. So this is not the realm of just hypnotists to learn how to do this. Uh, Using influence and persuasion is the realm of everybody who experiences how to get better at uh, sales or influencing others or getting what they want. Yeah, I think it's interesting you just brought up that like a lot of people do it without any training because I used to work for a woman, I'm sure you're familiar with NLP and Richard Bandler. Um, I used to work for a woman who lived in a house with Richard Bandler many, many years ago, and she used all these NLP tricks and things. I didn't know any of it, um, but I noticed that when I spoke, I started speaking like her and someone who knew NLP said like, oh, you're speaking in open loops. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is, but just like being around her for months, I just started using all these NLP techniques without realizing what they were. Yeah, the only danger of that is you leave the loop open. It kind of leaves people a little disoriented. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Actually, we might go into defining what that is. But um, could you also uh, share like how you got into it? Like, you know, you've been doing this quite a while, yeah. Sure. I've been uh, I've been involved with hypnosis. I've been doing hypnosis professionally for over twenty years, and uh, I originally got involved with it. The way most people get involved with hypnosis is that they're looking to solve some kind of a personal problem, and all of a sudden, hypnosis comes up as the weapon of choice to solve this problem that they have. And uh, the problem that I had, I was a, um, I had been a uh, professional ski instructor, a a pro skier for most, almost all my entire life. I stopped uh, skiing about uh, three or four years ago. It was unintentional. It just happened. And uh, I, I don't think in my mind that I stopped completely, but 
<laughs> it's been almost, I think this is the fourth season I haven't skied, or I, mm-hmm. I haven't skied yet. It's the beginning of the season. Um, so I, I had, I was involved with skiing and, uh, I had uh, gotten married and, uh, stepped away from my role as a ski instructor, ski instructors. I, I'd done it full time or, or, and part time, mostly part time because it's very difficult to make a living as a ski instructor, as a professional ski instructor. Most people go to a restaurant and always leave a tip. They don't think about not tipping the waiter. Most people go to a ski area and they spend hundreds of dollars, uh, maybe an hour to, to work with a ski pro. They don't think one minute that they should tip the instructor. So they have a, um, there, there's a mindset of no tipping. So mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult to develop, uh, uh, a tipping clientele and that's what you really need as a ski instructor because most ski instructors make minimum wage or mm-hmm. even less uh and uh i looked at it as if i was subs- uh, subsidizing my students uh, because i love the sports so much and i love teaching uh, it certainly cost me way more to get to the ski area and to teach than it, than it ever cost than i ever benefited from it money wise mm-hmm. uh, so anyway that was a little long story uh I had gone away from skiing for a couple of years, and when I decided to get back into it, I spent a few years getting back into shape, skiing-wise, mentally, whatever I could do mentally at that point. And I still was not enjoying the uh, the, the the expert runs that were really my playground before I stopped skiing, and uh, that was bothering me. Uh, and uh, finally, one day I figured it had to be something mental. It had to, I, I must have some mental breakdown, some mental problem. Uh, and when I figured that out, I uh, took myself to the library. Uh, there was no Google. There was no personal computers. So or they, they weren't available to me. Uh, so I went to the library and I just uh, physically downloaded <laughs> all the books I could on sports psychology. And in almost every book uh, that I that I read, uh, there was a at least a a, um, a a chapter, if not a whole section, on hypnosis. And that's when the uh, the bell r- rang in my head, and, and I started to consider hypnosis as an as a, a means to help me in my own in my own uh, you know improvement on skis. And uh, subsequent to that, I I. Um, I found a, uh, a hypnotist in New York that would uh, that trained. It was interesting. I had never seen. I had I had been reading this uh, free magazine, free newspaper. News. Yeah, it was like a newspaper. It's called uh, Free Spirit or Spirit or something like that. You see it out at the health food stores when they used to have health food stores in the city, and uh, there was a full page ad. In that paper, I noticed that said uh, hypnosis training, and the, the the hypnotist who was doing the training was uh, claimed that he was a sports hypnotist as well. So I thought, you know, I'd go down to this, I'd speak to the guy, and maybe uh, go to see him as a client, or maybe even take some classes to get a better idea of what was what what it all meant. And uh, the interesting part was I had never seen that full page ad before. I thought it was a new ad. And he hadn't been running that ad for years. So, you know, they, they say the, the teacher appears when the student is ready. That's a perfect example that our minds aren't really tuned into every opportunity that's out there 
until we train our minds for what we want. Yeah. So, so seeing the ad was kind of like a selection bias uh, situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how we live our lives. We filter out things that aren't important or that we think aren't important to us. So it's very important to really figure out what you want. Otherwise, you're going to miss all those opportunities to get what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this might be, a, this might be an abstract jump uh, to a new thing, but like, uh, I think about this a lot. Like I know a lot of people who are really into mysticism and like occult thinking and stuff that seems like hocus pocus to me most of the time. But I was really thinking about like how we subjectively create reality and how there's all these things that are good and bad. And if you're just thinking about one thing, you see all these things, your reality really is different than the same person seeing the same stuff, but negatively. So in a way you are molding your reality. Yeah. You're accepting into your life things that you don't want because that's your view of the world. Mm-hmm. And you're, if you, the way that I view the view ourselves and our minds, we have like two separate minds. That's the model with hypnosis. You have a, a conscious and a subconscious. The subconscious is always working. So the subconscious is filtering out things because there's so much out there and you're taking in so much information, it's, it's way too much for us to handle. So the subconscious job is to filter out things that it thinks you don't want. And we go through life haphazardly. We don't really train our subconscious and say, hey, look, this is what I want, except through our actions. So if we're continually thinking and worrying about things and thinking negative thoughts, our subconscious just figures, hey, he must really want all this shit to come down on him. (laughs) And so it says, hey, he wants more shit. Give him more shit. And that's what we get. We get dumped on all the time. If that's Is a fair uh, like working definition for hypnosis, like you're saying the effective use of language, what could we say it's the effective use of language to retrain your subconscious? Well, as a hypnotist, it would be my effective use of language to help someone else Mm -hmm. to train themselves. Uh, As someone who's training themselves, doing auto-suggestion or Mm -hmm. self-hypnosis, that would be more about you focusing your mind on what you want rather than it's not so much language uh, except it can be and you do have to be careful of the language you use uh, but it's more about training yourself through imagery and continually it's like meditation on steroids Hmm. so you devote a certain part of your time a lot of uh, doctors now are are recommending meditation uh, or mindfulness as a as an as a way of helping you uh, cope with the everyday life stresses. Well, mindfulness and meditation is a form of trance, and hypnosis is what is what is used. Trance is what is used in hypnosis. So hypnosis is like taking a meditative state, and instead of removing thoughts constantly, every time you have a thought, remove it. Focusing your mind on just particular thoughts or a particular thought. And just the act of doing that removes all the other thoughts. Because you can only really focus on one thing at a time or just a few things at a time. And by doing that, you eliminate all the extraneous thoughts that are popping into your mind, which add all this extra stress to your life. So hypnosis is like meditation on steroids. Gotcha. 
Yeah, you know, when you start, um, when we first got on, you were saying something about how, like, how we learn how to be not confident, like over time, right? Your chickens chips away. Can you speak a little bit about that and and how we use hypnosis uh, to undo that? I guess. Uh, well, how do how to think? I mean, you go through life and you you get rejected a lot. If you, let's talk about men who you're working with. Mm-hmm. Their biggest fear and their biggest anxiety is rejection and embarrassment. Uh, I know that was true with me, and mm-hmm. so I feel that that's that's how most people view it. Uh, most people, when they walk into a room, and it's not only men, by the way. I work with. Uh, I, I at, at one point I was working mostly with women, and uh, now I have a pretty even even uh, ratio between men and women coming to see me, uh, and I think that's because the the way that. Uh, society is is working it's it, we're gravitating more towards mental powers you know people want mm-hmm. more information mentally before it was women that only went looking for help and and used to use this esoteric approach mm-hmm. but now it's more men uh, are hip to it so uh, i think that's what what the difference is but uh, every everyone when we walk into a room we're worried about how presentable we are. Are we dressed properly? Is my hair in place? Uh, you know, what are they thinking about me? Everybody else is looking at me and thinking all these uncomfortable thoughts about me. That's, that's how you walk into a, into a room, especially if you don't know anybody. In the meantime, what's really happening is that everybody else is worried about how they're looking to you. So we're all pretty much on the same page, but we don't perceive it that way. And uh, that's one of the uh, one of the downsides of not having confidence in yourself. Also, you're training you've trained yourself to focus on what's going on in your mind, as because what you're thinking is the most important thing in the world to you. Mm-hmm. And and that's not true. It's not the most important. What's happening out there is way more important than what's going on in here especially in social situations. So when I'm working with someone uh, to help them with confidence, building up self-confidence, one of the first approaches I take is to start to train them to start getting outside their mind and start looking around them and seeing what's happening out there without interpreting it first in their mind. Because when you interpret it first, it's mostly about how it's affecting you. How, it's, how is all of that affecting me? Like, I'm the most important person in the world, so everything around me is either a pro or, or, or con to me. It's either against me or with me. And, yeah. uh, and the story is way more likely to get distorted than if you just pay attention to the facts. Right? Absolutely. Outwards. Absolutely. Um, wait, so I want to ask you about the, I mean, you, I know you have an ebook on this, on self-hypnosis. I want to ask you about that. But I, do, I was curious, though, because... Um, I've had a lot of experience following like self-hypnosis audios and things like that. And I've only been hypnotized by someone else a handful of times, but I was wondering if uh, assuming your own skill is good enough or, you know, obviously a professional knows more, but is there any benefit to simply having someone else guide you through it as opposed to like, do you need, is it, can you go deeper if you're not the one hypnotizing yourself? Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. Uh, because if we're doing self-hypnosis, a part of us has to stay a little bit more in, you know, connected to what's happening around us. Mm-hmm. When we're working with someone else, we can let go completely. You get to a point where you totally trust who you're working with. 
and you just let go completely, and that person will guide you to where you need to go. Plus, this is self-hypnosis is, is really great for programming yourself uh, to accomplish things, to, to be motivated. Uh, there, are, there are emotional issues that most of us have that we haven't fully addressed because nobody taught you about your emotions. You have no clue what's going on emotionally, and most of our interactions are emotional. And we have no control over it. We don't really know why we're, re we're responding the way that we do, unless you're trained in it. Mm -hmm. So there are, uh, it's, it's a very good possibility that your emotions will get in the way of your progress. If you're having difficulty, any kind of difficulty at all, achieving a, a, a fairly simple thing to do, like it's fairly simple to just be in a room and walk over to somebody and say hello. It's a fairly simple, you just take it, you know, you, you move one foot in front of the other, you stand in front of the person, you just say, hi, how are you? Uh, the only thing that's preventing that from happening is your emotions, your fear, your fear of rejection, most likely, your fear of being embarrassed because the person doesn't respond favorably to you. And when you were a little kid, you probably had none of those fears. You learned those fears because yeah, kids are mean, <laughs> and they they feel they feel afraid themselves. So it's easier to just reject somebody and not have to you know deal with whether they're going to accept you or not. Mm -hmm. So this is the this is the problem that most of us are dealing with. So yeah. there's that that uh, that break. There's that that difficulty with doing something fairly simple. You can bet it's an emotional reason that's preventing you. And it's not going to be very simple to get over that emotional reason with self-hypnosis. It's, uh, it's much more effective and, and a lot quicker and probably more doable working with a, a skilled hypnotist. Gotcha. Um, does that relate to the persuasion piece at all? Um, maybe, maybe it doesn't, but I'm, I'm thinking like, can someone be affected? I, I, might, I might be jumping to, to, to something too different, but... Could you speak a little about the persuasion piece? Because like you were speaking about your effective use of language. Like no one knows that you're, maybe they don't know that you're a hypnotist or using anything consciously other than just you're a good speaker, for instance. Like how does well, that work? A classic, a classic example of persuasion in sales is a closing, a, a hypnotic close, mm -hmm. which was based on uh, Milton Erickson, who's a famous conversational hypnotist. Um, would be, you know, somebody's coming in for a car and you're talking to them and, and they're, you're a salesman and you're talking to them and, and then you, you want to ask for the, for the sale instead of going, okay, are you ready to buy this? You say to them, would you like the red car or the blue car? So that's a, an assumed close. Because you're assuming that they want the car, first of all. You know, you don't even know if they want the car yet, but you're going, well, do you want the blue one or the red one? So that's an assumed close. And salespeople, car salesmen especially, will do that throughout their, their spiel. Mm -hmm. They'll continually give you two choices. If, if there's only two choices, there's not only two choices. There's the no, I don't want either of them, but they don't offer that to you. <laughs> yeah. So, so you would put that under, you'd call that hypnosis, even though they're in a normal waking state and 
that is like, conversational hypnosis. Okay. You, know, you, you only give them a certain amount of choices. And mm-hmm. in their mind, they think that's all the choices they have because that's what you're presenting them with. Yeah. You're saying something about uh, the danger of open loops. Could you, could you, uh, cause like, so yeah, I mean, I think I probably use a lot of conversational hypnosis tools by accident and I think I'm becoming, I'm taking an NLP class right now. So I'm learning the terms and like what I've cool. been doing, but can you say a little bit like about dangers and stuff? Well, it's not so much danger. I mean, it's not really danger, but, um, when you're, when you're speaking, uh, you, and you want to keep someone's attention, uh, an open loop is you you mention something that you go you're going to tell them about something, and then you don't give them the you don't finish telling them. So that would leave an open loop because when somebody says to you, "I'm going to tell you," uh, I'm I'm going to give you an the answer to this problem. Here's the problem, and I'm going to give you the answer, and then they start going off on other topics without giving you the answer. Your mind is open. It's still waiting for that answer. Mm-hmm. So your mind is more open and, and you're not really listening that, that, that closely to what that person is saying because you're filtering out everything except for the answer. You're looking for the answer. It's almost like uh, this urgency that we have. If you hear the first few bars of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, you go, da, da, da. You know, you want that da to come in there. It's like that, you know, you really need it. And that's what an open loop does. It gives you that, 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 and you're, you're looking for that last, you know, sound to complete. And during that, that time, there is a, um, you're in some, somewhat of a trance state. Now, it's not a really deep state. But a lot of times people will start putting information in at that point. And if it's, if it's a, a, a good hypnotist, what he's doing is putting in information that's going to benefit the client. That's what he's there for, not to, to benefit the hypnotist. Because quite frankly, it's very difficult to, for a hypnotist to do things to a client that is going to benefit him personally, that's going to bene- benefit the hypnotist personally. Uh, Which could if they wanted to. Like the idea is that they're more suggestible when they're overloaded with all these open loops. Yes, they are more overloaded, exactly. But yeah. it's difficult to really put in things that are dangerous to the client or, or not uh, helpful to the client. What will happen is the client will just you know, shrug it off. He might even you know, feel badly towards the hypnotist, like they feel uncomfortable around the hypnotist. So the hypnotist won't get a chance to, to continue to work with him to help him. Uh, and, and anything that's even in, in profound hypnotic states, uh, there's something called hypnotic amnesia where people forget what happened now Mm -hmm. those things have always been temporary never permanent so eventually you know the hypnotist will if he if he does something out of the ordinary or or wrong for the client the client eventually understands and knows so it's really a a very foolish and stupid thing for a hypnotist to to do those type of things that's interesting because i was speaking about the the woman i used to work for who's like an lmp master and she would get people do some crazy thing she's actually under under fire in the media right now for a lot of things that she did years ago. Um, but she would get people to get married on the spot, fly across the world, all these really crazy things. And she'd use all these open loops. She'd put in a com- command, like go move to Turkey and propose to this woman and then end with like a poetic statement by Shakespeare that you couldn't like 
say no to. And then people would be like, Oh, I guess I'm going to go get married. And it was like, it was crazy watching it. And only now am I realizing what she was doing. And obviously it, it doesn't work out well for them. Yeah. It's backfiring right now, but it's, it took a while. Yeah. It always does it because all of these things are temporary. People do realize what's going on. I mean, there's a lot of, there, there are things that can be very dangerous. Uh, but it, you really need to control the environment. Like one of the most dangerous things that were done, probably using—I uh, don't—I don't know the, the full story, but probably using techniques that are similar to hypnosis and certainly influential, was there was a um, uh, a, a Jonestown uh, mm-hmm. down in um, who is it? Uh, Guyana. Guyana, yeah. Mm-hmm. With where a, um, a very charismatic leader brought his whole flock down to. Uh, Yana opened up a Jonestown and, and he was totally, uh, you know, abusing them uh, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And uh, they were all, they all loved him. You know, he, they didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't look at it as abuse. They loved him. Uh, he was their leader and they'd do anything for him. And he had them all commit suicide when the authorities started to bear down on them. Right. But he, had to leave. he was in San Francisco. He had to leave San Francisco to, to move out of the country in order to keep his, you know, his power. And even then, you know, it, it caught up with him. So yeah. there, there are some dangers, but I, I don't believe those type of things happen to just anybody. I think there's a small segment of the population that are, um, that are hypersensitive to that. And yeah. That so I wanted to ask you about suggestibility, actually, but I first want to say we have a few people listening live. If you have any questions, you can unmute yourself and jump in or type in the chat that you want to ask a question, and I'll unmute you and make a, like a question break. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was curious about suggestibility because I've heard different things from different people. Like, are are some people just more suggestible than others? Is that that's simply it, or is it something conditional or contextual? Both, both. Mm-hmm. Some people are more suggestible uh, than others right off the bat, and uh, some and 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 a lot of people can be conditioned to be more suggestible, and it is in context. So um, you know, if you're if you're conditioned to be more suggestible, uh, you're probably conditioned to be more suggestible in certain situations, and not you know, or, or with certain people, not with just anybody, not just random people. Um, I, you know, to me, I, I, what I, what I find is that, uh, working with a, a broad group of people, I don't, I don't really do too much, uh, filtering out when people call me up. They want to book an appointment with me. I talk to them for a little while to see whether their motivations are right. Uh, if their motivations are right, I, I invite them in. I don't see whether how suggestible they are, how uh, whether they can be hip- hypnotized or not. None of that matters to me. All that matters is that they're motivated and they have a, a real desire to get the results that they're asking me for. And um, once they come in, it's really just a, how well they can be hypnotized is really, and or how suggestible they are. They're, everybody is suggestible once they're hypnotized, but it's a matter of how well they can be hypnotized. Uh, is just a matter of how how familiar they are with using their imagination. Basically, how creative they are. 
if they're comfortable using their imagination, because there are people, some people who are way more comfortable using their imagination than others. Some people are way more creative than others. And it's not that the people who aren't creative can't be creative. They just don't have, my, experience, my, my feelings are, they just don't have the experience of being creative. And I think that's more of a, of a nurture rather than nature. Hmm. I think we're all pretty much even. When we, so when we, can, uh, can, can creativity, do you think it can be learned? And can you use hypnosis to, I mean, it's kind of like a catch-22 because if they're not creative, they don't use their imagination, how do you get them to use your tools to use their mind? Like, is that something you've worked with people at all? Well, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. like I said, when someone comes in to see me, how well they can be hypnotized depends upon how creative or how much they, how familiar they are with their imagination. Now, it doesn't matter whether they're very good at going into hypnosis right away or whether they're not so good at going into hypnosis right away. All they have to do is follow my instructions and they'll, I'll guide them into a nice hypnotic trance and the results will be the same whether they were very good at going into trance or not so very good at going into trance. The results, once they're hypnotized, the results are going to be the same. Uh, And it's just a matter of getting them on board for the changes that they want. So there's some, some things that I do with them to make sure that they'll get the results that they want. Before before I even hypnotize them, I have them agree to certain things that that makes that makes makes it almost a guaranteed certainty that they will be hypnotized, and mm-hmm. and then we take it from there. Uh, so we're all suggestible, and and that's I think people who aren't suggestible are have some kind of mental defect, and and you would know that they have this mental defect. I mean, they they would be challenged in a lot of other ways they wouldn't be normal let's put it that way hmm. we're all we're all suggestible uh, yeah so uh lion has a question so i'm gonna mute him actually but i have one more thing on this thread um so is it too much to say that creative people need to be more careful about like the advertising they're exposed to or is it because i i do know and this might this is just an anecdotal thing but i know um a few people who were in, in nyu's acting school like they were like the top of the class, like most talented actresses. Um, and she told, and she's not a working actress at all. And she told me that the top of every acting school never makes it because they're so creative. They're so like in their bodies that they get pulled by everything. They never end up developing a career. And it's always the middle of the class of the top acting schools that become the movie stars because they're, they're not quite as like off the wall. Um, I'm curious what you think about that. That's a very interesting observation. I, I don't have that experience, so I don't know. Um, I I can tell you that people who are very suggestible have that problem of being pulled all all over the place. Hmm. Uh, And and when I'm working, I I don't particularly want to work with people who are very suggestible because that is a problem. Because Hmm. they're, they're working with me and I give them a suggestion for the changes they want. And they get it because they are very suggestible and they go out and some schmo on the street gives them an opposite suggestion and they lose it because they picked up a suggestion from someone else so quickly. So uh, that there is a way of dealing with that. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, is there a way to train yourself yeah. against that? As, as a hypnotist, I, I work with that. Uh, and and when, when I identify someone who's too suggestible, too open, I have to now train them to pull back 
find that openness. It's just a matter of, you know, it, it is just a matter of training. We're the most trainable animals in the planet, us humans. We're definitely the most trainable animals on the planet. Uh, and all it, all it, and it's the same process. It's repetition. We have to create different habits. But in order to know how to train yourself, you have to, you have to break it down to what needs to be trained first. I mean, you have a goal in mind. It might be all the way out here. Uh, but you might be right over here. You can't make that leap to that goal without going through the intermediary steps because it's way too, it's like walking up this uh, flight of stairs at the bottom of the stairs and just <laughs> leaping one, one bound like Superman up to the top. We can't do that. We have to take it in a sequence. Some of us can go a couple of steps at a time. Some of us can only go one step at a time. But you have to figure out where you are in the process of change. And you have to go to the to the most likely next target in order to get in order to get the results and take it from there. Hmm. Gotcha. All right, I'm gonna unmute uh, Lion because he has a question. All right, Lion, you can ask your question. Hi, to meet you. Um, my my question is on about your volume is a little bit low. I don't know if you could speak closer to the mic. Uh, right. Now, if it doesn't doesn't work, I'll just type it into the chat room. Um, okay. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah. Is the audio okay? All right. Um, my my question is a little bit in, in the other direction, um, which is I am interested in how to. Uh, I I've been working with hypnosis a lot in, in the last years, um, doing NLP, doing coaching, and my question is how to effectively wake up. And having this flexibility in going into different states of of trance, and um, like you know, having language patterns, or maybe using using music with brain entrainment, which gets you like back into a waking state, and that that way, um, like getting getting off the, the hypnosis. And getting grounded in reality again, because I and um, some of my clients tend to stay in the state of hypnosis in trance, and um, yeah, have, having a hard time really getting full full back into reality and um, integrating the hypnosis content. You know, so yeah, I hope there was. Um, understandable. Um, it's it's ab with abstract, I guess, but yeah, that would be. Would, I'm very interested. In Lion, is that your name, Lion? Yeah, Lion. That's a great question. <laughs> I'm really glad you answered. You asked this question, and I've got a great answer for you. All right. There's a there's a technique to to ground yourself and put yourself back in the moment. And it's a very quick technique. And what you do is you, you contact all of your senses. So you, you, you connect to what it is that you, and this is all in the moment. So if you, have, you wanna be totally present for some situation that's happening to you, that, or that's going to happen to you, you, you immediately connect to what you're smelling, 
what you're tasting, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and what you're feeling. You just connect to every one of your senses. It puts you right into the moment, and then you go about your day. There's a lot of interesting things of what you said is that one of the most interesting things is that part of us is always in trance. A part of us is always in trance. And if you, if you hang out in that trance state all the time, you're going to be missing out on really what's happening around you. Yeah. So this is, this is a way of putting yourself back in the moment. So like you're doing a, a mindfulness meditation and going into, yeah, into my sense. All right. Very quick. If, you, if you're going outside, you step outside, you, you, you feel, the, right now in New York, I'd feel the coldness on my skin. <laughs> I'd smell maybe the, uh, the scent of uh, evergreens because it's almost Christmas time and, and uh, there are a lot of you know, evergreens around, a lot of wreaths all over the place. Uh, I, I see uh, you know, the houses around me or, or the, uh, the street, the cars around me. Uh, I, 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 uh, I taste what, whatever my last meal was or whatever my toothpaste or my mouthwash tastes like. But this puts me in the moment, just connecting to all of those five things, puts me right back into the moment. All right. Thank you. Definitely want to write it out on next occasion. Yep. Thanks. Well, just again, uh, Ruin mentioned uh, um, language. So try is one of those words that, that presupposes that there's an element of failure happening. Uh, get rid of that. You either do it or you don't do it. So next time, just do it. And then tell me what, what happened. All right. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. Awesome. Cool. Um, so what's... Uh... What's a hypnotist uh, or, or someone who wants to learn this, maybe not for like therapy purposes, but for self-hypnosis or being persuasive, like where do you have, uh, where do you suggest a person starts? Uh, to do self-hypnosis starting, mm -hmm. download my ebook. Okay, <laughs> <So you're laughs> cool. We'll have a link to that. <laughs> very, very, very simple way to, to teach yourself very simple hypnotic techniques. Uh, it's, it's really, it's too simple. Uh, but it's very effective. That's, that's the point. Uh, things don't have to be difficult. Uh, we, we overthink things. We, we create uh, obstacles in our path all the time. Uh, this is a very simple process. It's our minds. We know how to use them, start using them effectively. That's all it is. And this is just one way of getting to a state where you can start to use your imagination and imagine an outcome that you'd like to have. That would be one. I also have, a, going back to me again, I have a self-hypnosis class that I usually teach once a month. Uh, and that you know, needs to be, somebody just needs to you know, give me a call and, um, and find out what the schedule is and, and then um, register for it. Okay. Those would be two good ways of getting started. Cool. Uh, Everett has a question. So unmuting you, Everett. Uh, hey, Mark, how are you? I've, uh, we've been chatting a bit over VPN recently. Um, yes, hi. hi, how are you? So the question I've got might seem a little um, overly technical to the others, but it's something I actually wonder about all the time when I'm working with hypnosis, given the, the experience I have, which is mostly on the sexual side, um, more like what Mark Cunningham does. 
Is there to you an important difference between the subconscious and the unconscious? Is one, can one state be worked with more powerfully than the other, or is it all just kind of the same, you know, is, is it all just the same, the same drawing board really? I kind of lump the unconscious and subconscious together. Um, the way the, a lot of people uh, look at the unconscious, it's more about the, uh, I think the, the, the parasympathetic nervous system. It's, it's the part of the mind that, that, uh, that regulates, you know, basic uh, basic uh, um, physical functions like breathing and and uh, uh, the un unconscious breathing and uh, digestion and heart rate and things of that nature. Uh, the subconscious is more about our emotions. You know, this is the way I I view it. It's more about the emotional mind, about how you feel and. Uh, that rather than unconscious, mm -hmm. I don't know if that that uh, maybe, but but I kind of lump them together when I talk about two minds. I talk about the the conscious and the subconscious, unconscious mind. Okay, but as far as what you work with, you you consider the subconscious more useful as far as trance states than than the unconscious. Yeah, I I. Um, I, I stay as alert as possible to where my clients are. I don't want them in the unconscious state. I don't want them unconscious in my chair. I want them conscious. I want them in, you know, I want to be, I want them to be responsive. Usually when someone is unconscious, then not responsive. Got it. Okay. And is the main benefit for that? just because you want to be able to get feedback from your client or is there some other benefit to them or their suggestibility? I think they're more suggestible when they're in, when they're not unconscious and I do want to know where they are in the process. So mm -hmm. I'd like to make sure that they're getting what they need. Now, when I'm getting responses from the client, most of the time they're subconscious responses like mm -hmm. I, I work with a client and I have, um, I'm getting responses, physical, uh, nodding of the head, moving their hands or fingers, uh, even verbal, uh, sub even verbal responses. And when they, when I'm finished with them, very often they are not aware of anything that, anything that they said or did. So is that unconscious? To me, that's not unconscious that's a conscious or, or that's a subconscious response. Uh, an unconscious response is no response. Hmm. That's what I look at it. So the conscious mind might be taking a little mental vacation, but the subconscious is totally there and listening to me. And when I think someone is unconscious, I'm thinking that their, their subconscious isn't really on board. Sometimes people come to me for a change and part of them doesn't want them to change, so they totally tune out. Hmm. And then when they come out, uh, they don't remember anything, and they don't respond very well afterwards either. And again, sometimes they do respond, even though they seem to be totally uh, unconscious, or they, they, haven't, they don't remember anything about what was going on. So in your practice, if someone um, has a bit of amnesia afterwards to you, that's the subconscious choosing to delete out the behavior or whatever they said or did because it, it didn't matter to the subconscious. No, not necessarily. Sometimes I even uh, I want people to be uh, to, to, to not remember exactly what we did. 
some people, they, they, they're their own worst enemy. So they get the change that they want. And then they just, they're so analytical. They want to figure out how did they do this? And then they unravel all the changes that they got. So it's very often, it's, it's, it's helpful for them to leave the office with a little bit of that uh, hypnotic amnesia where they don't know what I did to get them the results that they want. So the feedback that I get the next session is always going to be, uh, it's either, you know, it's going to be telling me what, what the results are of the previous session. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It does actually. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't the, um, isn't like the desire to undo the growth kind of also a subconscious thing, like self-sabotage, like, so aren't you fighting against another subconscious, uh, maybe it's another compartment or something? It, uh, no, it's not. I don't view it like that. Okay. I don't, I don't even accept that there's such a thing as self-sabotage. The subconscious is always doing something. From my view, the subconscious is always on a path to success. It's always doing something to achieve a successful outcome. It always wants to help. So self-sabotage is not helping. Uh, the, the problem is the subconscious sometimes thinks that the, the person wants something it really doesn't want because it's getting conflicting uh, feedback. And that's what I was talking about earlier, where um, you know, someone who's always negative is getting that negative feeling and those negative worries and all of that negativity because the subconscious thinks it wants, to, wants that. Hmm. So it's actually doing something positive for the person. Gotcha. Okay. Not coming from a negative point, but it's, that's why you have to retrain to get to the point where they do what it is that they really do want. Just that they, okay. it most, it's always about protection. You know, the subconscious is looking to protect us. So every emotion that we experience is meant to motivate us to take some action to protect us. So if you're feeling fearful of approaching that girl, uh, it's not to hold you back. It's to protect you from being embarrassed or or being shot down and getting the negative feeling that comes with that. That's the protection. It's not self-sabotage. It's a positive aspect of what it's doing. So mm -hmm. it's always, a, a, what you have to do is figure out what the intent is and overcome it in some way. And usually there's, there's a reason for that. You know, sometimes you have to uh, undo something from the past. Uh, you can do that in a, in a whole lot of different ways. NLP is is great for that. It's it's come up with a whole lot of ways of rewriting your past without really having you experience some really having having to re-experience the horrible things that happened to you in the past. You know, you could do it in a very um, in a very sublime way, in a very uh, you know gentle way, uh, which is really cool. Gotcha. Cool. Awesome. Um, well, I'm excited to read your uh, self hypnosis thing and. Uh, it's like a discounted program on confidence. Is that also kind of like an? Yeah, it's the uh, the is a MP3 recording. It's a trance recording uh, that will help you to, to build up your confidence. Training awesome. You start thinking outside the box, outside your mind. Cool. And does the audio bring you into a state of trance as well? Yes. That, that okay. That's cool. Audio does guide you into trance. Okay. I've really enjoyed things like that. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, we have a few more minutes left. Um, anybody listening have any other questions?
I have one uh, very simple last question, but uh, I'll just give you guys a couple minutes if you have another thing. I mean, my last thing, you were speaking about the unconscious with Everett, and um, I was wondering how suggestible are we when we're asleep? Like to listen to an audio tape while we're sleeping or listening to people speaking? Depends on, you know, we, we go through different uh, levels, different wavelengths. While mm -hmm. we're there's like a 90-minute cycle that we go through. Uh, and there's REM sleep and, you know, it, it depends on what's happening. I mean, you probably experienced it already where you might have fallen asleep with the TV on and your dreams encompassed something that was happening on TV. You, mm -hmm. And that was, you probably realized it when you started to come out of your, out of sleep and out of your dream and you were dreaming something and then you saw something on TV or uh, you have a dream that the phone is ringing and all of a sudden, you know, the phone is ringing because it was in, it was in your dream that the phone was ringing. Yeah. You, know, you know, we, we do, can, we are suggestive uh, during our sleep time, uh, but it depends on what, where you are in that sleep cycle. So if we're very deep, we're not even, we won't be conscious. But okay. if there's some stimulus from outside, it will bring us into consciousness. And uh, it, it's, it's very common. I mean, there's a, like I said, the subconscious is always working. Uh, it, it, there is a, a very good chance that uh, if there was some danger or something very important happening, your subconscious would wake you up, even if you were dead, even if you were very deep, deep asleep. Mm -hmm. uh, if it started to recognize some kind of danger, uh, you'll get up. You know, okay. but trying to learn while you're asleep probably isn't effective. Basically, there's no harm to it. Mm -hmm. So if you know you just want to listen to it all night long, uh, if it doesn't wake you up, if it doesn't disturb you, I don't think there's any harm to doing that. Uh, but um, it's better just to drift off to sleep. Uh, and and have something that's uh, maybe about thirty minutes in length because it usually takes a good thirty minutes before you go into a, a an unconscious state. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, you know, it's it's also very good if you want to learn while you're sleeping. Before you go to sleep, if you're learning, if you have notes about what you're learning, go over your notes, review your notes, and then while you're dreaming, you'll be processing your notes all night long. Mm. So that's a it's a good way of learning using cool. slow learning. Awesome. Uh, all right. So Lion's got the last question. Um, I'm muting you, Lion. Hi. How's the audio? Can you hear me? Yep. Good. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. Last question. That is, um, how do you frame hypnosis to people you meet? I mean, you you're working as a as a hypnotist, so probably the most people already know um, what they're getting into. My question is about people that I meet, that I introduce to hypnosis, and to get kind of suspicious, you know, um, on being manipulated, on being controlled by, by the process. And so um, even though I, I consider myself to be a person who is uh, trustworthy and not, not seeming to, to want to manipulate something, um, Still, a lot of people are, are very uh, afraid that there might happen something that they don't want to, or that, yeah, it's, it's they, they're fascinated, but at the same time, they, they are afraid. Um, so, 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that is you that's any idea from the Yeah, well, I usually very often I'll just say I'm a hypnotist. And I usually get a very positive response. Like, oh, I've never met someone like that before. And then they're very interested and they want to talk. Uh, I do get some people that are afraid of hypnosis. I've had I had one guy but we found out I was a hypnotist. He went like this, and he went like this, he went like this. You know, he closed his eyes and he and he was keeping keeping a distance from me. I thought at first he was kidding because it was he was a really big guy. You know, he looked like a, a hell's angel type of guy. <laughs> but he was really serious, and um, you know, so we do get those kind of responses. Uh, very often, I'll say to someone, they ask me, "What do I do?" And I'll say to them, "I talk to people, and they pay me." Because that's what I do. I talk to people and they pay me. Uh, and then I might start to say, well, people usually hire me to help them stop smoking or lose weight and, uh, or, or reach some kind of a, a, a goal that they're having difficulty reaching. And I help them with that and I get paid for that. And then they might ask, well, how do you do that? She says, well, I you know, use uh, words of influence and I use hypnosis and NLP techniques to help people to, to motivate them to, to, for, for success. So that's how I, I explain it. But most often, I'll, I'll just say, I'm a hypnotist. I think a lot of it has to do, I mean, I've been doing this for quite a while, and, and, I, and I don't get many, these days, I don't get many um, people that are, that are uh, really put off by it or afraid of it. And if I do, I just get, I just kind of be, I kind of smile because I'm kind of amused by that. Uh, I think it's more about how I, as a hypnotist, have grown and accepted the fact that I am a fucking hypnotist <laughs> because uh, that's what I do. Uh, before I was, you know, when I, you, you become a hypnotist. What does that mean? It means you, you took some classes, you mentored with, a, with another hypnotist, you learn, you practice, and then you go out and you, you, you see if you can get some results with the with clients that are coming to see you. And the, one of the worst things that you can do is probably offer free hypnosis uh, sessions. Because if you're offering free hypnosis sessions, then that means you're, you're not worth anything. So <clears throat> a lot of it, a lot of our, our interactions, how people respond to us is how we're responding to ourselves or how, what we believe about ourselves. So if you become more congruent, you might find a different response. I don't know how long you've been doing this. I don't, I don't know how... Uh, you sound like you're knowledgeable and you sound like you've been doing it for long enough, but there still might be some hesitation in you because you've been, because people around you have responded to you negatively when you said you're a hypnotist. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that might be holding you back rather than you coming from a point of going, hey man, I'm a fucking hypnotist. I know what the hell I'm doing. I can make you feel wonderful. You know, I can make you feel like you're the, you're the most powerful person in the world. I can make you leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know, you, you know, the things that you can do for people are fantastic. So, uh, when you start to integrate that and you feel, uh, that you, you are successful at helping people, uh, how they respond is, is really, you know, their problem. And if they, if they say, Oh, something like, uh, I can't be hypnotized. Uh, you know, you just tell them, well, yeah, I bet you there's a lot of things you can't do. So, it's unfortunate. <laughs> thank you. It was very helpful. Um, thank you, Mark. You know, we all, we all experience that. You know, that's something that's that's common. And 
the way that we develop as a hypnotist is, you know, there's no, there's no hypnosis school like medical training, you know, where you get to practice and you get to intern and you get to be a resident somewhere and you have, you know, X amount of years practicing this before they send you out into the world. You got to start by going out there and hypnotizing people and working with them and getting results. And when you start to get good results, you start to, you know, feel better about your abilities. Uh, and there are people who doubt what we do. You know, what we're working with is uh, placebo. We're, we're like a, giving people a walking placebo. Now, placebo is one of the most powerful responses that we can possibly have. And to be able to set up that placebo effect is a, is a really wonderful thing to be able to do. <clears throat> and very often, that's what we do. We give people the permission to be the people that they want to be. And, and we help them to get rid of all this other crap they've been carrying around that's kind of holding them back. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, we'll have links to your website, hypnoticstate.com. I know you're based in New York in case anyone's around and the ebook and there's the offer for the conference course, right? Yeah, the ebook uh, web, uh, website is markcarlin.com forward slash Ruan. All right. Awesome. Easy to remember. That's R-U-W-A-N, right? Yep. <laughs> awesome. Great. Great. We'll have all those links attached. Um, yeah. Thanks so much again. I look forward to the ebook. Sure. All right. Take care. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.